Welcome to Mindset, a guide to getting out of your own way and a blueprint for professional success. In today's episode, Helen McCabe and Jamila Rizvi are sharing how they cope with overwhelm and how they fuel their determination for long-term goals. Helen, as an expert on overwhelm, how overwhelmed do you feel right now? Well, right now my overwhelm is probably about a five. But if you could ask me like this time last week Mm -hmm. when my flights were all being cancelled, thank you, Virgin, I was running six hours late to absolutely everything, including (laughs) key meetings with key government figures all over Australia. Media events, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, like everyone was, you know, and (laughs) you you know this because everyone was getting regular updates through our Slack channel about how bad it was um, to the point where I thought you all had your own jobs to do. I don't know. I need to share this with everyone. But my partner said on days like this you go floppy what's that mean well you know like a small child when you pick them up and they just flop and it's just like you just don't fight anything yeah you just go with it you just go with it yeah so once he said that to me I went floppy I I did what I did whatever the the staff at Virgin asked me to do I did whatever you just stopped worrying I just stopped yep because I could not fight the forces that were ranged against me. Yeah. Interesting. Go floppy. So here's something you're not supposed to say about overwhelm and stress. To a degree, there's a a point where obviously this isn't true anymore, but I quite like stress. Like a bit of stress makes you a bit motivated. Yeah. Having a little bit too much to do and kind of sitting there going, I'm a bit overwhelmed because there's a lot right now and I've got to get it all done. But this is all stuff I chose. This is all stuff I need to get through to get to a place where I'm more effective, more accomplished, better at something, get something done, help someone else, whatever it is. I feel like there's a degree of good stress, right, that's not damaging to you, that's low level. And I looked it up. There's a, there's a word for it. I'm not just a total maniac, everyone. It's called stress, which is the stress that is motivating, the stress that helps you. The problem is when that stress starts to move from being pressure that's exhilarating to stress that turns into overwhelm where you are manifesting a bad stress and everything becomes too much to handle and your emotions aren't coping, your physicality is not coping, you can't plan, you can't think clearly, you can't handle a situation and perhaps the only option is to go to go floppy. Go floppy. I've given this so much thought because I'm completely convinced that the stress is the thing that motivates me. Mm. And I have really worried about not having stress because if I was stress-free, stuff just wouldn't happen. It's the stress that gets me yeah. to move in the mornings. So I do always get suspicious of well-meaning self-help books and podcasts and stuff that go, you know, you're stressed and why you shouldn't feel stressed and the, all, the, all, the, all the anti-stress stuff because stress can be good. Yeah. But let's talk about when it can't be because that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> we're not suggesting you all go out and get stressed. Though recognising putting a bit of pressure on yourself can be useful if it's done in a really sensible, um, containable way. Let's talk about the impacts of overwhelm because when stress turns into bad stress and it turns into overwhelm, that's not something we want to be ignoring. So the consequences of overwhelm are huge. They can impact your health, your mood, your relationships, your mental health and absolutely reminding everyone that Helen and I aren't psychologists and and if you're deep in this stuff, that's the time to reach out to a professional. But 
even in occasional smaller doses, overwhelm can be really confronting and it can be really scary. And I think there's a few different ways it can impact your life without it sort of dancing around wearing a funny hat that has overwhelm on the front of it. So the first one is, and I'm laughing because a lot of these have to do with you being floppy, (laughs) but uh, the first one is you start to have difficulty taking care of yourself. So when you're so trapped in overwhelm, it's easy to forget to eat. It's easy to forget that you need enough sleep. Um, I hate the word self-care, but if we think about self-care as something that's not having a bubble bath with some aromatherapy and more about actually caring for yourself, um, that becomes harder. You might skip a doctor's appointment. You might... um, uh, not be giving yourself that five minutes where you sit down and have a cup of tea in the morning, but instead you're doing everything on the run. So overwhelm can get confronting, Helen, I think, when it, and, and you can know that it's happening in your life when you start to go, I'm not really taking care of myself in the way I'd like. Yes, and it's having a negative impact on your on your social life. Mm. You, you are either not wanting to see anyone or you're feeling yeah. under extreme pressure to see everyone, yeah. and, and that is just That is as- definitely my sign of overwhelm. Yes. That's like that's how it shows up for me when I start going, I'm a bad friend, I can't do it, I can't go out, I can't go. Yeah, and you just add up all the people that have said we should catch up this week and mm. you just paralyse because mm. you know you can't fit them all in. Um, that is, for me, a pretty constant challenge. Yeah. Um, fatigue, of course, you know, feeling feeling tired, sleeping, wanting to sleep a lot more. I mean, that's... A classic sign yeah. um, that someone's not coping. And then also like lowered ability to think really rationally. So um, over, when overstimulation is brought on by fear or stress, it can really start to take over your brain and it, that overstimulation can stop you from processing things rationally and critically because you're just buzzing with too much information and you can't see the wood from the trees, let's say. And that can lead to things seeming even more complicated than they are. And I don't know if you've had that experience, Helen. I've, I've definitely had it in my working life where the problem feels so unsolvable and then someone, a colleague, a boss comes in and says, what if we did this? And you're like, what? What? How is that there? How is that answer there? And I didn't see it because I've thought about this so much. But my overwhelm has prevented me from being able to navigate a path through. Yeah, that... And this just reminded me, you just reminded me of that feeling of the sun coming up the next day mm. thing. It, it can feel at times like that's not going to happen. Yeah. And yet it actually does. And it's worthwhile in the middle of that feeling or sensation to remind yourself that in a week or two weeks, or it may take a year, mm. whatever it is that you're struggling with will pass. Yeah. Do you cry when you're overwhelmed? Yes, and when you least expect it, like it's not yeah. something it's not something you kind of plan or can see mm. because you are overwhelmed. I think the two things are yeah. very connected. And the crying's good for you, right? The crying is a is a catharsis that allows you to get rid of some of that overwhelm that overwhelm feeling. Um, but often because of the fact that it takes you by surprise, it can come at a time when you desperately would rather be doing anything that is not crying. Well, that's often in the middle of um, a meeting with your boss or yep. your superior yep. where you are trying to solve a joint problem and you didn't realise you were struggling with it as much as you are yeah. until you're confronted with the scale of the problem. When I was a lot younger, I once cried in a negotiation with a boss and I... That does not sound like you. It was the worst. I was about to say it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. 
there have been other bad things, but at the time it felt like the end of the world. Like I do remember just going, I can never come back from this. Like it was one of those, I think I should pack my bags and move to the other side of the world because this is over. This is this um, can't happen. Um, all I want to do now is ask you who your boss was. But <laughs> um, anyone who's uh, knows Jamila's CV will know she's had some pretty uh, pretty high profile bosses. Not for today. No. Not for today. Let's talk about overcoming overwhelm and what you can do in the moment when you are feeling overwhelmed. The first suggestion, Helen, is is called the physiological sigh. It's called going floppy. <laughs> I do. I do. I'm like, honestly, this whole episode could be replaced with Helen going floppy. Um, that's right. It's um, it's about just giving into it. And in this in this context, we're talking about your nervous system. And if you um, take a deep breath, it's a very, very common piece of advice that we give in various yeah. circumstances at FW. My son is always saying to me when yes. I say it to him, I'm breathing, mummy, I'm breathing. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 you're not. Not the way I need you to breathe. Look, it, it just works. Um, taking an incredibly deep breath where you can feel the air filling your stomach um, as low as you possibly can go uh, and then exhaling will make it immediate difference yeah. more than any drug or so true glass it's, of wine it's because when we're really we're really stressed or overwhelmed and, and, and uptight and we start getting that almost hyperventilating feeling it feels like you don't have enough air and you're like <gasps> I need like I just need to calm down and get some air actually your problem is you have too much air it feels like you don't have enough air and so if you're inhaling for a shorter period than you are exhaling you are giving your brain what it thinks it needs, which is air, but you're actually starting to expel that carbon dioxide that you're trying to get out of your body because you've got too much. And amazingly, science, everyone, that relaxes you quite you quite quickly. Tricks your entire nervous system and you can calm down. Self-care is the second tip and we all know how I feel about self-care. Bubble baths. <laughs> no, Nothing wrong with them. What's wrong? I, I, I'm actually an anti-bath person, you would be. but that's for another day. You would be. <laughs> I know you'd be anti-bath. That would just take too much time. Yeah, exactly. They're really inefficient. Uh, there are other forms of self-care, everyone. If you're a bath person, you do you. But uh, sleep counts as self-care, everyone. Drinking enough water, uh, eating the right kinds of food. We have a um, a, a tradition at my place of uh, a family who often ends up overwhelmed, which is when someone is overwhelmed to say to them, have you eaten? Have you had a glass of water? Have you had enough sleep? And we ask these things in turn. And usually you don't get to the end of the list before someone's like, oh, no, I am a bit dehydrated. Uh, I think the basics, that's right. The basics are um, really worth remembering. And uh, for me, it's sleep. You know, yeah. I, I think you spend most of your 20s and 30s resisting sleep because there's so much of the world to explore and experience. Um, but at some point you realise as a fully grown adult that that is the one thing you can control and it makes a fundamental difference to every day. A huge one. There's this thing I came across called the Pareto Principle and it says that 20% of your efforts account for 80% of the result, so of whatever task you might you might be doing, so that the next time you feel really overwhelmed, you can calm yourself down by reminding yourself that 20% of your efforts account for 80% of the results. So write down all the things that are vying for attention in your mind on separate pieces of paper. Maybe not separate pieces of paper, bad for the environment, one piece of paper and cut them up. Um, And so write all of them down. So it might be I 
um, I'm going away and I haven't done the dry cleaning and I'm going to need to su- a suit for it. And I haven't written um, this document that my boss, boss needs for before I go away. And I haven't booked extra pickups for the kids at after school care because I'm I've got to do that because my partner's going to be a, not going to be able to pick them up. Oh no, I haven't done the grocery shopping and I'm worried about this. And my mum's unwell at the moment. And you just make your big list of all the things that are stressing you out. And then let's say you've written down 20 things. Choose four. And that is going to be really hard, especially when there's mothers and children on the list. But you're going to say four of these I am going to fix because they are the ones I cannot not fix. And you start with them, plan to solve just 20% of the main sources of overwhelm, and you will start to experience enormous relief. It's not to say that the 80% are not going to be tackled. You're not, you are going to get to the 80%. But if you focus on just the 20%, you're going to get the relief and the boost of confidence that means you're able to tackle the 80% later. I love that. That absolutely works. Uh, implementing boundaries. Boundaries. If you, if you have poor boundaries. I have none. You have none. You may find yourself overwhelmed trying to please everyone at the expense of your own health and well-being. And this is pretty much every woman who is listening to this podcast. Yep. So what do you do? Well, I, I, I have done nothing, but others <laughs> theoretically could learn how to set some boundaries. Um, and it, look, it, honestly, it, you know, it is really, it's a really difficult thing to do. But overwhelm comes with not having clear boundaries about what you can and cannot do, what you are capable of within the 24 hours of this day, especially if you're taking 12 hours to sleep, like Helen said. Um, you need to have boundaries that align with your values and your most important goals. And being able to set those boundaries and be firm about them, not mean about them, just firm about them, is going to mean that you are more capable of achieving what you want to. But I really struggle with this one. I really well, str- going to say don't set any boundaries. Well, this is why we get along. Well, <laughs> boundaries. I mean, how do you do that and still be a good friend, colleague, boss, daughter, neighbour? Like, yeah. how do you kind of go, oh, no, no, uh, this is my boundaries. I don't take yeah. docks on the door after nine o'clock at night. Because that's just that's my boundary. That's my boundary. Yeah, and yet you've got a neighbour on the on your doorstep who's locked themselves out of the house. You know, like I don't, I struggle with this one. Yeah, no. It's a, look, I'm, I'm clearly not good at it. Um, We're not I, being much help, are but we? But I observe, I observe, yes. like David Attenborough from afar, <laughs> other people who appear to have better boundaries. And, and how he, do they? But here's the thing: how do they do it well without being one of those annoying boundary people? Maybe they are annoying, but I think I think firstly I think you've got to be you've got to have a degree of flexibility, right? A boundary can't be so rigid that the neighbour knocks on your door at nine pm and needs help, and you say I am not available. That you can't be that rigid, right? But a general principle of I I avoid doing things that keep me out later than nine pm on a weekday, for example, and trying to implement that most of the time is probably quite a sensible boundary, which I do not have in place. Uh, I think the, the, there has to be flexibility within the boundaries, right? Like I, one of the things I struggle with is saying no to people who are asking me to do something that is a legitimately good thing and I would like to help, but I only have so much capacity for help. And what happens is I end up saying yes to everyone and then I end up pulling out of things or I get sick and I end up disappointing a whole lot of people. Mm. And it would have been better for me to say yes to some of those things and implement some boundaries around the others to ensure that I could deliver for the some rather than the none because I've fallen in a heap. 
I think that's a very good answer. Today, Helen, we are going to try and move everyone from overwhelm to a place of feeling more determined. And we've chosen the word determination for this episode for a really specific reason. And that is that I think a lot of women are socialised to feel kind of uncomfortable about describing themselves as ambitious. So we're trying to talk about determination rather than ambition. Is that is that a word that sits comfortably with you, determination? And would ambition have sat less comfortably? Well, I think yes. I think that's a really um, good observation. Um, I'm pretty comfortable with determination. I'm also pretty comfortable with ambition now, mm. um, but fought it as a concept um, for a lot of my professional life yeah. um, because of the negativity that uh, came with it. Ambitious mm. women were just not going to get promoted. You mm. were literally asking to be passed over if you accepted um, the concept of being ambitious. Do you think that's changed? I do, yeah. I think it has changed. I don't, I don't think it's as much of a, um, a hindrance professionally, but I, but equally I wouldn't be surprised if there are people that are still labelled as ambitious um, in the most negative possible way. Yeah, and it definitely is. There is a, definitely a gendered impact there. I think ambitious men are people we admire and ambitious women are people to be wary of. That's the stereotype. So let's focus on determination because that's what we're going we're gonna to do. And we're going to give you, everyone, four ways to try and boost your determination. The first one is you are going to clearly define your goals because it's really hard to be determined when you don't know what you're trying to be determined for. So getting clear about your goals for the future, making sure those goals are specific, that they're measurable, achievable, relevant. Relevant and that there's a time boundary around those goals, not like a goal in the ether of one day I will, but by this time I will. And have a clear picture of what you want to achieve. And that's going to give you a much better understanding of what actions you need to take to make them happen. And without those clear actions, you can't get determined. Now, for some of you, breaking it down into smaller steps might be a much easier way of doing this because having a big goal might be just way too overwhelming. Uh, for anyone who's got a big goal, go for it because I think big goals are also um, a great thing to strive for and you know tell everyone about your big goal because that makes you accountable for it as well. But if you are someone who uh, isn't there yet, break it down into small steps. Um, that makes it far more manageable. And by doing this, you'll have a clear roadmap of what you need to do to reach your ultimate goal. So that might be uh, signing up for a free uh, TAFE course spot. Um, it might be um, one of our Google certificates, uh, short courses to set, set you on the pathway to the bigger goal um, and fuel your determination. Uh Focus on your why. When things are getting tough, it's easy to lose sight of why you just started doing something in the first place. Your why is the reason behind your goals. It's not the goal itself. It's the reason you're pursuing the goal. So your why is what's going to keep you going when things get hard, when they get challenging, and it's what's going to give you some real determination to keep pushing things forward. So remember why you're doing it. And it might be for a whole bunch of reasons. Maybe you're getting back to work because you know that your superannuation balance is just not where it needs to be. And you want to make sure that you're building a retirement where you can feel safe and secure. That's a pretty good why. Or you might be trying to get that promotion because you know that in that particular role, you'll have greater flexibility and you'll have greater um, uh, control over your working hours and your working day, which means you can spend more time with your kids and more time getting home to who you love. It doesn't even have to be a why that's about the work itself. 
Although if it is, that's awesome. Enlist an accountability partner. Now, this sounds pretty tough to me, but um, this is what uh, people recommend in in um, working towards... Uh, and you just said be accountable. You said tell people about your goals. I Well, yes, but I don't want a partner... I don't, don't want, want I don't want to tell them. I don't want someone telling me off. I just <laughs> I just want it to be out there and verbalized. But a partner sounds like it's really going to get tough. Um, being determined doesn't mean you have to do everything alone. Surround yourself with people who support and encourage you. So choose a partner that you want to make you accountable. Oh, you clearly are not into this partner thing. I'm not. I think it's quite cool, right? There are a lot of people, like, so for example, I have um, a mate who quit smoking a few years ago and she had probably tried to quit smoking for 16, 17 years, I reckon, and it was only when she partnered up with a mate and they were keeping themselves accountable and they were calling one another and, like, not to tick each other off but to spur each other on and go, we're not doing this anymore, reminding each other why they were doing it. That's really cool to I was, see. I thought you were going to be the partner ringing no, up. Have you had anything. a cigarette today? Put oh, that no. cigarette down. I would have been too judgmental and school mummy. <laughs> I would not be a good partner. Yeah. Okay. So enlist an accountability partner if you want to. <laughs> and don't if you don't want to. Mindset is created by FW Jobs Academy with support from the Australian Government's Office for Women. FW champions gender equality in Australian workplaces through professional development, advocacy and community. If you'd like to know more, go to futurewomen.com or find out how to register for our Jobs Academy at jobsacademy.futurewomen.com.